0: You guys, we have started this whole year out with Jesus said. So as a church, we're like, look, if we're going to build our lives on Jesus, we ought to really get after what he said. And boy, has that come under some attack. Not so much just at the church level, but the whole wide world. What did Jesus actually say did he say that? Was it one of his disciples that said it? Did they rewrite it? Now, that's been going on for hundreds, if not thousands of years. But like now, we're like, look, he's the greatest teacher. He's the greatest king. He's the greatest priest. He's actually the great I am. And he said, I am, which means Yahweh. He said, I'm God. And he said it seven different times in the book of John. And so we're like, we're going to go off of what he says. And so I don't know if you know this, but his greatest teaching was you Shall love. And for the last seven weeks, we've been looking at what he's had to say with that. Now, we haven't exhausted it, but we've done some digging and we found out why he said to love. We found out how he says to love. We found out that he said, You need to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbors, you love yourself. We found out that he said, You even need to love your enemies. And that's kind of tough. Someone's like, Yeah, I don't mind loving like my neighbors. And I don't mind loving, like, people that love me back, but my enemies, that's tough. I don't know if you know this, but it's just tough to love God with all that you have. And so he called us to do some impossible things, and we're like, how do we do this? Well, we have to accept his love. We have to accept his help. And so we looked at that over these last seven weeks, and we talked about how abiding in him, dwelling in him, living for him, helps you to love him. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? And then, today, we're looking at the fact that he said, there's no greater love than this, that you lay down your life for your friends. That's some powerful stuff. And so I want to get at it. I want you to see that he doesn't just say you shall love. He commands it. And so if you'll join me, we're going to go to Luke 10, 25 through 28. Now, some of you don't have Bibles. We love you. If you want a Bible, you let us know. But there's also going to be one on the screen. You can check this out. But in Luke 10, 25 through 28, Jesus comes face to face with a bom, 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 lawyer. I know. And I've got friends in this room right now that are lawyers. I don't hate lawyers. I'm just saying, look, they know the law, and they use the law, and they defend people with the law, and they go after things with the law. And so this lawyer comes up to Jesus because Jesus is kind of this amazing teacher on the scene. Some are a little confused about who he is. Some are like, wait, he's not like part of our little crew. What is he about? And so they come up to him and ask him straight up a question to put him to the test. So check it out. Literally, the word behold that you're about to read here means check it out. It means look at this. So behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, not only to examine him, but to try and trap him. And he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Pretty good question. I want to live forever. What should I do? And Jesus said to him, because he knows who he's talking to, what's written in the law? He says to a lawyer, what's the law say? Pretty good question. Jesus flipped the script on him. He's like, you're asking me? I'm asking you. How do you read it? Well, he answered him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Good job. Now, do this, and you'll live. Hey, all you got to do is something entirely impossible for you to do. And you'll live. Don't worry about it. He's telling him and he's telling us, if you're going to do this, you're going to need me for it. You're going to have to take me in, not just a little snack and a little something that tastes like melted grape otter pop. (laughs) It's more than that. It's take in his teaching, take in his word, take in what he did for you. But I think that kind of led us to a bigger, deeper question I'm going to ask you this morning. How can true love be commanded? How's it possible to command true love? You just think. Because it's an action. Cool, what else? It's a choice. If he is the king of kings, he is the Lord of lords, he's God in the flesh, he can command us to do anything. And he's love. And so he says, look, I'm commanding you to love and you're right, it's a choice. I know Boston said it was more than a feeling. I'm going to have to agree with those guys. It's more than just feeling like it, right? And Jesus went on to show so many different ways how it was more than just a feeling, more than just these kind of warm fuzzies. I'll say it like this. The proof of our love isn't in our feelings. It's in our actions, right? And what did Jesus do to show? Did he just say, love you, mean it? You're so amazing. I'm gonna leave you in your sin, but you just know that I love you. You guess he gave himself for us. This is what we celebrated just a couple of days ago. So we celebrated with communion, we we celebrated in these songs, but he didn't stay dead. But more on that later. How can it be commanded? Well, he is the king, and so he can command it. He calls us to lay down our lives as well. Check it out in John 15, on the last night when Jesus was betrayed, and if you wanna join me here, we're gonna look at a few different things. Actually, we'll go John 13 first. John 13, 34 through 38. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet, and some of you are like, that's so gross. But it was like this sign that the lowest servant in the house would wash the feet, and he, being the guest of honor, God in the flesh, he washes their feet. And then he gets up and goes, see what I did for you? I'm calling you to do this for others. And they had already instituted the Lord's Supper and the Lord's Table, so they had communion. There was this great moment where he's explaining some things to them, and then he gets to this spot in the evening. In John 13, 34 through 38, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Not so new. He's already told everybody to love, and that went all the way back to Deuteronomy. Love one another. But this is what makes it new. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now that's different. He hasn't actually died yet at this point. He hasn't been beat up and lied about yet. I don't know he's been lied about before, but this point right here, he's like, love as I've loved. Look, I used to be a youth pastor for a lot of years. And this girl said, hey, Aaron, can I ask you a straight up question? And I'm like, of course. She goes, Can we have an honest discussion? I go, I really prefer those kinds. <laughs> It'd be good to have an honest discussion. She goes, Okay, well, honestly, what was the big deal about Jesus dying if everybody knew he's going to rise again? It's not that big a deal. And I was like, Okay, that's honest. I appreciate you saying that. But what do you think God owes you? And she goes, Oh, wait a minute. What? I'm going, what do you think God owes you? I, I guess nothing. I'm like, he became a little baby. And he grew up. And nobody really knew who he was for like 30 years. And then he becomes this big deal teacher and doing all these miracles. And then he dies on the cross. And then he raises from the dead. And then he gives his Holy Spirit. And you and I are talking, debating about him today in whatever it was, 2001. And she goes, Yeah, okay, that's a little bit bigger deal. And I'm like, but you have a great question. What is the big deal? She goes, I don't know, maybe like Jesus loves me. I'm like, yeah, a lot like that. And he didn't have to. He chose to. So he's like, love like I've loved you. Lay down your rights. Lay down your life for one another. And so he tells him that. And this is what he says in verse 35. By this, all people will know that you're My disciples, you're my followers, if you have love for one another. Gosh, I live in a time where churches don't like each other very much. I live in a time where we can see a huge church have an event at Angel of the Winds, and we're upset because Benny Hinn's going to be there. we're going to be, that's dumb, you should come to this tiny church. How about we celebrate if people are getting the good news? How about we love one another like Jesus said? Okay, I get yeah, come on now. Let's (laughs) preach. Keep it coming. I'll be here all day if you give me amens. All right, let's go. So Simon Peter is kind of main guy, but Simon Peter was a dude that just kind of stepped in every pile he possibly could. And his mouth was bigger than really the ability to follow through with it. But he also really believed Jesus. And he says, Lord, where are you going? Now that harkens back to a part of the story that we didn't read. He's told them three different times, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise from the dead. And he tells them in a different way, look, I'm going to be going away, but then I'll come back. And he says, you need to love one another as I've loved you. And that's how people are going to know you're my disciples. And you know what Peter does? Peter's like, well, where are you going? He, like, ignores all that love stuff. Wait a minute. You say you're leaving? Where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Hey, Peter, you are going to die. You're going to be like me in this way, but just not right now. So Peter says to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Whew. Dang. Jesus' is last night with them, he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be lied about, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be beat. He's going to be crucified. They're going to roll dice for his clothes while he's on the cross. And he calls out one of his closest friends and says, yeah, you're going to actually deny me three times. And we're going to follow this story the rest of the way through to the resurrection and post-resurrection and see just how he shows his love. Because he said, love like I love. And let's see how Jesus loves. Let's go again to John 15. This time we're going to be in verses 12 through 13 and then we'll go 14 through 17 so he's giving them a bunch of stuff on his last night look I'm going to be with you but then I'm going to be gone one of you is going to betray me who's going to be is it me is it me is it me no it's going to be this guy but they all are going to run away like scaredy cats but before that he says I'm the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father except through me it's not going to be money it's not going to be politics it's not going to be your position it's not going to be the family you were born into it's just me and they're like, yeah, okay, we're down. And then he says this again, John 15, 12 through 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this. You guys remember John three sixteen, right? And if you don't remember it, there's a ton of people around you that do. Okay? For God so loved the world, him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever, I don't know if you've ever heard 1 John 3.16. It's very, very similar. It goes like this. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Okay? That's not new, Aaron. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. He is not saying, just do what I tell you to do. He's saying, do like I do. How about this? Verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I can barely get that out. It's not a funny thing. He's not trying to be funny. But this makes me kind of giggle a little bit. Hey, we're buddies. We're friends if you do what I tell you to do. we will be friends if you do what I tell you to do. Jesus is saying, You are my inner circle, but you're still under my authority. You're still my people. You're not just my servants, you're my friends. It made me think about a wedding. You guys have probably been to weddings. Even a big, huge wedding or a small wedding tends to have somebody who is officiating, has a bride, a groom, And then has a maid or matron of honor and a best man. Sometimes it'll be like a best woman sometimes and there's a a man of honor. I've seen the kind of flip of that. But what happens is they're there as friends. But they serve the bride and the groom. And this is what it's looking like. He's like, look, you're my friends if you do what I command. We're tight if you follow me. And then he says, no longer do I just call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what the master's doing. But I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Friends, people think the Bible is just a bunch of stories. <laughs> it's a bunch of accounts. This is eyewitness people writing down what they saw, what they heard, what they touched. And he's like, look, i made everything my, from my father known to you. And this one, verse 16, just takes it to another level. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I'm just going to go to church and just give my life to Jesus, which is cool. I think it's wonderful. He chose you first, though. Good news, man. He picked you. I don't know who invited you. I'm glad you're here. I invited a ton of people. And if you're watching online, you can still show up at 11. Okay. But he chose them. They didn't just choose him. He said, I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So don't keep it to yourself. That your fruit should abide. It should keep going. It's fruit that bears fruit. Make disciples that make disciples is another way to say it. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Sadly, we got some people saying, if you need a new truck, just ask in Jesus' name and believe it, and you're going to get that new truck. Maybe, but not likely. He's like, however you want my kingdom to grow, and where you guys are going to be my people, and you're going to do my things, you ask, and it's going to be done. Lord Jesus, bring revival, I pray, right now, in your name. Amen. These things I command you, so that you'll love one another. Again, he's commanding love because we're hardwired to love. But he says, you're my friends. And what did he say about them being friends? They're chosen to love. I chose you not just to receive love, yes for that, but to also love. And that has been really helpful for me to realize that friends of the king are privileged to be in the inner circle and yet go do what he says. And so with all that, I'm going to bring you on a kind of a fast forward through the night here. This all happens, and they go, and they go out to this place called Gethsemane, and it's a place where they're up on this hill, and there's olive trees around, and they've kind of been camping there and hanging out at night. And they're there, and one of Jesus' disciples, Judas, had said, Look, I'm tired of how things are going. I want Jesus to either be the king or not. I am going to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. So he's betrayed that night by one of his own. And the sign was, I'll come and kiss the guy on the cheek that you should arrest. Which I always find fascinating because Jesus was super famous at that time. Oh, but you got to give him a smooch so they know who he is? Okay. But the point in all that was he was going to betray him with a kiss. And the kiss was supposed to be honor and love. And like, hey, now some of you are like, don't kiss me, bro. (laughs) That's fine. I do have chapstick, but I won't. (laughs) But for this guy, he betrays him with a kiss. And all of his people run away. But before Peter runs away, he lops off a dude's ear. Jesus goes, it's not how we get down. Picks up the ear, puts it on his head, heals him. And then they're all like, ah, and they run all of them scared and so we're gonna pick up that part of the story in Luke 22 I have to go kinda of fast cuz there's another group of people that are gonna be coming in and you gotta get over there and get your pictures taken on that thing so alright here we go Luke 22 54 through 62 then they seized Jesus and they led him away bringing him into the high priest's home and Peter was following at a distance Look, I'd love to be able to show you what I did in first service, but I walked down over there and pretended like I was Peter. Like, he's following at a distance. Remember the guy like, I'm going to die for you. He's like, didn't want to get too close. But he also didn't want to be too far away. And when they kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, so he got into the courtyard of this guy's house where Jesus is being held. And they all sat down together. Peter sat down among them. (laughs) Crazy weather we're having, right? I mean, he just kind of sits in among them. (laughs) Then a servant girl seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him said, Hey, this man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I don't know him. Strike one. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You're also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not <laughs> too. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man was also with him, for he too is Galilean. Galileans have a little bit of an accent. Maybe they're a little country. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Strike three. <laughs> Gone. You're out. Said it was going to happen, and it did. And immediately, while he was still speaking, cock-a-doodle-doo. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And constantly in my mind, I've read that and thought, Jesus is like, but I don't think so. He knew it was coming. He said, lay down your life for others. I'm laying down my life for people, all of them that would betray me. All of them. Maybe not all of them got money and kissed me and made it look bad like that. But this guy was told, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows, and he did. And the Lord looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying that the Lord had said. How he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Look, you guys, I don't know where you're at with Jesus. I don't know what kind of mindset you have going on. I don't know if you've like thought, I've been way too far from him. I've made way too many mistakes. I've denied him way more than three times. Three would be nothing. Shoot, that was just yesterday. Or maybe you're like, man, I get all this. I love all this. I believe all this. I'm set, bro. Or maybe you're somewhere in between. But like Dr. Oswald Sanders says, from back to the Bible, each of us is as close to God as we choose to be. Nobody's making you stay away. Well, there's just a bunch of hypocrites. Man, there's always room for one more. You guys, I have to get moving along on this because the resurrection changes everything, but if you've ever felt so far away from God, you don't think he loved you or believed that he could, check out these two words that we're about to read the resurrection changes everything. Let's go to Mark 16, one through eight. Jesus said, you're gonna deny me, Peter, and he did. And then Jesus rose from the dead. Look, I love this. His disciples were freaked out, running away, but the disciples that were the ladies, they decided to show up. They decided to show up the very next day that they could. They followed the Sabbath, which you couldn't do any work, and anointing a dead body was considered work, but this is where we pick up the story, Mark 16, 1 through 8, and two of the most lovely, amazing, powerful words in all the Bible will be found in this passage. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, and I was really happy to hear Salome just on the side note because I'm like, didn't they have any other names they could call ladies back then? Like Mary, 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 Mary. But okay, whew, Salome, we got another one in there. They bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. I guess. Shoot, they're thinking they're going in to see their dead master, and there's... a guy in there in a white robe, oh. I'm Like I'm not going to lie, I like to scare my wife, Kathy. <laughs> and it's really not that hard to do. <laughs> and she says, then you should probably start recording it. I'm like, yeah, I probably should. And she's downstairs now so I can tell the story without all of her comments like she gave me last hour, <laughs> holding the brother accountable. She said it's mean, and so I'm probably not going to scare her much today. Um. <laughs> But they were scared, you guys, and the angel says to them, and I kind of hear it in like a real laid-back voice, maybe like Owen Wilson. I don't have an Owen Wilson impersonation, so here you go. Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, that he's going before you to Galilee. There you'll see him, just as he told you. And they went out, and they fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Good news, later on they got over their fear, and they went and told Peter and John and all of them. And Peter and John had a foot race there. And John writes it like this. We got there. I got there first. (laughs) Then I didn't go in. Peter went in. It's like, where'd they put him? And they go to find him, and Jesus shows himself to Mary. But it's these two words, you guys, that I want to camp on. And Peter. You remember Peter? He blew it. He had all the chances in the world, and he blew it. He was a big boy. I'll die for you. Hours later, he's running away, denying him. Jesus' resurrection, this love, he says, love like I've loved, look, I laid down myself for you. I have the right to knock you out, Peter. But instead, he reinstates him. Check this out. In John 21, 15 through 22, Jesus and Peter, Jesus is risen from the dead. They did a little fishing. They had a little barbecue on the the beach. And now this is happening a little one-on-one with Jesus and Peter. John had talked about Jesus saying something three times. Watch this three times. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, ooh, he full named him. Listen to this. Do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep, take care of my people. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Look, I'm reinstating you. How many times did Peter deny him? How many times did Jesus say he was going to deny him? How many times did Jesus say, do you love me? How many times did he say, you know I love you? Sounds to me like three is a big deal. And three is this kind of reinstatement. Jesus rose on the third day. I mean, shoot, that's not even in my notes. You're welcome. Bonus material. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, Peter, you used to dress yourself, walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Oh my goodness, he's talking to him about his death. Remember how you said you were going to lay down your life for me and I told you you can't go now? You will someday. And after he said all this to him, he goes, you need to follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. That's John, the guy who wrote the book that we're reading in right here. And he's also the one who leaned back against Jesus in the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? So, but when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? <laughs> Boy, that's a move that we do. When I was growing up, it was keep your eyes on your own fries. This right here is what Jesus says. If it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You Follow me. Jesus said, no greater love. You lay down your life. Friends, so often in our world, we want to just hang on to life. We don't want to give it up. We don't want to give up dreams. We don't want to give up opportunities. We don't want to give up anger. We don't want to give up hate. We don't want to give up feelings. God's not saying don't use those. He's saying give them over to me. Lay down your life for one another as I did for you. You can't save anybody from hell. Jesus is the only one who can do that. But you can introduce people to Jesus by the way you live. You can remind people the good news by the way you live. You can have this greater love because as this says in Romans 5, eight through 11, which we won't get to right now, so please go read it sometime on your own. He died for sinners. Those were enemies. Everybody was an enemy of God. Well, I grew up in a family that loved Jesus and they taught me to love Jesus. By your own humanity, you have not always loved Jesus. But he's always loved you. And that's great news. So how do you move towards Jesus today? Some of you straight up like the T-shirt you can get at Walmart. Y'all need Jesus. And today's the day you need to recognize, you need to confess You died for me because I needed you to. I was wrong, and you're right. Father, forgive me. You need to be saved, and he's the only one who can save, and he's willing. He loves you. He's known all of the things you were going to do wrong and all the things you will do wrong, and he still loves you, but he didn't wink at it. He died for that. Pay the price so you don't have to be shut down by sin. You can be set free by love, so come to him today. Some of you, that's your step. Confess and believe. Some of you, you already have confessed, you already believe, but you need to humbly follow Jesus. You're his friend. Do what he says. Don't just be good so he can finally love you. He loved you before you were good. Obey his commands to love him and love others, even your enemies. Some of you are doing a great job for that, but God has called you to do something deeper. I don't know what it is, but he's called you to show that greater love by laying down your life. I think most of you would probably die for people that you love and care for. Would you lay down your phone? Would you lay down a job? Would you lay down a, a notoriety? Would you lay down your plans to show this kind of greater love to people? I'm not saying you can't have good things and neither is Jesus saying that. But for many of us, we, Put God off and people off for us, even as Christians. And so, the greater love is that you would lay yourself down and you would help people to be reconciled to Jesus. You don't have to go knock door to door, although that would be kind of cool and fun and an adventure. Get off my lawn! All right, all right, all right, all right. But you need to tell people about Jesus. You're not the best kept secret. Friend, you're a city set on a hill if you're a Christian. Don't play games with it. be real. Stand up. We got to go. Hey, by the way, I want you to get your kids. I want you to have a great time. I want you to get these pictures taken over there on this really cool backdrop. And I want you to get out of the parking lot. All right, let's pray. <laughs> let's pray. God bless you. Jesus loves you. Be strong and courageous and let it be contagious. Father, thank you for these amazing men and women and children. Thank you that they're your image bearers and you love them so much. Would you... Take them to places that they wouldn't go on their own, couldn't go on their own. Would they love you? Would they follow you? Would they surrender to you where they need to? Would they keep following you where they need to? Would they make you known where they need to? And may they know that you love them like crazy and you've proven it over and over again. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.